Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. We started this Going Bold series a couple of weeks ago. We took a break last week because I was away with the Band of Champions, of course. I do appreciate Billy Sheets, our youth pastor, uh, very capably filling in for me. And uh, I want to say, because I couldn't be here last week, thank you to those who served uh, at our recent fall festival. Uh, in spite of inclement weather, we had over 800 people here, uh, packed like sardines in our uh, family life center, and uh, many of you faithfully served, gave of your time and, and your energy. It was, uh, I know, a long evening, but uh, many hands make light work. I was, it's the earliest I've ever gotten home on a fall festival night, I can assure you of that, largely because uh, we didn't have to do as much set up and tear down and all that, but it took a lot of people to make that happen, so thank you uh, for your faithful service. One of the things that we established uh, in the first message in this Going Bold series is that if you're going to take bold steps, you've got to make certain that you're going in the right direction. That is to say, you've got to make certain that you are in a right relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So, So we're not preaching, we're not teaching moralism. We're not teaching a a, a concept that says, well, if I just better myself, if I just do better, uh, then I'm going to be where God wants me to be. No, no, no. It's not about you bettering yourself. Remember, even in our identity series, we discovered the fact that Jesus did not come lay down his life for us just to make us better people. He came and died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sin to make us new people. Uh, And so we're talking about a transformation that cannot take place outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, but, but I'm trying. I'm doing really, I'm glad that you are. Uh, but, but all your effort, all your best efforts on your best day, your righteousness, my righteousness is just filthy rags, Scripture says. So apart from that relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, you cannot be in a right relationship with God. You've got to make certain that you are on the right path. Are you heading in the right direction? If not, uh, you can go bold all day long, but you're going bold in the wrong direction. Uh, It may look like righteousness, it may look like uh, you're doing the things that would please and honor and glorify God, but ultimately you're still heading in the wrong direction, spiritually speaking. Now, we also defined going bold. What does it mean to go bold? Let's look at the definition again together. Going bold is an unashamed commitment to Christ, resulting in radical obedience without regard for personal comfort or convenience. Our key text, our foundational text for this series has been found in Acts chapter 4. You don't need to turn there, keep your finger in in 1 Peter chapter 1. But I want to remind you of a couple of these verses that we've looked at uh, throughout this series. In verse 13 there of Acts chapter 4 it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and realized that they had been with Jesus. Do you see again how this is all connected to Jesus? It's all Christ-centered. We're talking about serving Him, loving Him, uh, falling in love with Him more every day, striving to be like Him. That's what this is all about. It was obvious that Peter and John had been with Jesus. And then if you move uh, down to verses 18 through 20 there, in that, same, uh, in that same chapter it says, And they called them, they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And so they had to make a decision. Remember, that's where we were two weeks ago. Make a decision. Get off the fence. Don't be wishy-washy. They had to make a decision. 
Are we going to do what, uh, what, what, what man has, has commanded we do? That we shut our mouths, that we no longer teach and preach in the name of Jesus? Or are we going to obey God? They had to make a decision. Remember, uh, Joshua said to the people of Israel, he said, hey, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Uh, you, you, scripture makes it clear. You can't serve two masters. For you either will love the one and hate the other, you'll hate the one and love the other. You can't serve God and man. You can't serve God and stuff at the same time. Don't be double-minded. Make a decision. They had to make a decision. They had to live out their commitment. Now, I want you to notice something here. They made a decision that resulted in radical obedience. That's what our definition says. It's making a commitment. That is to make a decision, an unashamed commitment to Christ, that results in radical obedience. Now, in formulating that definition, I, 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 I hesitated to use uh, the word radical there. That word gets overused a lot today. Uh, it was really popular back in the 80s, I guess. Man, that's rad, dude. That's radical. You know, what exactly does that mean? Um, one of the reasons that I did choose to leave that word radical in there is because I'm convinced that a lot of people today, a lot of Christians today, uh, are, are, are happy with a comfortable or convenient type of obedience. I'm willing to obey Christ. I'm willing to obey uh, God's word so long as it doesn't inconvenience me. So long as it allows me to stay in my comfort zone. Well, well we're talking about a radical obedience. Uh, I mean, you know, if, if you've got a sickness that could quite possibly lead to death, a cancer or something of that nature, then you want your doctor to treat it in a radical sort of way. Well, you know, how about, how about if you just try a couple of aspirin a day for a while and see if that does... No, 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 no. No, we've got to take a more radical approach to this. We've got to get rid of this. We've got to treat it in such a way that we are curing or we're taking care of this. It's got to be a radical sort of approach. And that's what we see here. Understand this. Consistent, radical obedience to Jesus Christ equals holiness. Consistent, radical obedience to Jesus Christ equals holiness. It's a consistent walk. It's taking steps every day in the right direction. It's moving every day toward Christ-likeness, toward being like Christ. Remember the three different parts of salvation. There's justification, that moment that you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you are declared in that moment justified, just as if you've never sinned. Your sins are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's that moment in which you are saved, Scripture says. We're born again, as Jesus said to, to Nicodemus there in John chapter 3. But that just begins a process that we call sanctification. That's that process whereby we are being transformed into the image of God's Son. Scripture tells us that He is the author, the finisher of our faith, that we're to keep our eyes on Him. It says, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Keeping our eyes fixed on Him. you got a lot of Christians today, they're walking around kind of like this. Just kind of moping through life. Well, glory, glad I'm saved. But man, they've got their eyes down, their head down. It's like just kind of living a defeated Christian life, hardly taking bold steps at all. That's not what we're talking about in this series of messages. We're talking about, hey man, eyes up, I mean, shoulders back. I mean, living for the glory of God, unashamedly, 
Making that commitment to Jesus Christ. Moving forward for Him. Consistent, radical obedience equals holiness. And that's where our text this morning in 1 Peter chapter 1 comes in. It's a passage that you're probably familiar with. 1 Peter chapter 1, let's look at verses 13 through 16. Peter says this, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, that, 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 that's not the kind of terminology that we normally use. But you've got to remember, in this day, uh, in the day in which he wrote, men would, would tend to wear long flowing robes, all right? They didn't wear Levi's and Dockers, you know, those kind of things. Of course, they, they wore long robes. And it would be rare to see a man run in that day. I mean, you know, it's like running, and it's, you know, it's, it was hard. But if a man did have to run, he would first have to do something. He would have to gird up his loins. He would, he would literally have to take up uh, the, those long flowing robes. He'd have to pull them up in such a way and he would have to tuck them into his tunic. He'd have to kind of, that's what girding up your loins is all about. He's saying here, gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, get your mind right. Get your mind right. Scripture speaks to this often. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In Romans chapter 12, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. You've got to get your mind right. You've got to get your mind right as you approach this thing of holiness. And so he says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, don't let that confuse you. Uh, as you look at that, it looks like, well, that means that now I don't have the grace of God. That's something that's coming in the future. The completion of it, because remember, we've got justification, that moment in which you place your faith and trust in Christ. Sanctification, that process by which we're being transformed. And then there's glorification, That's when we'll know and we'll experience the full revelation of the grace of God. That's when we will no longer even be in the presence of sin. We'll be with Him for all of eternity. That's glorification. It will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, this is important now, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, You also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Consistent, radical obedience to Jesus Christ equals holiness. Now the idea of holiness has fallen on hard times. We live in a society today where it is wrong to say that anything is wrong. And if you do make a, a bold statement as to, a, a, as to a, a moral vice or to anything of that nature, immediately you are labeled as judgmental or what? Holier than thou many times. Or a holy roller. Uh, if you take a bold step toward righteousness, toward Christ-likeness many times, people will assume, oh, you just think you're better than everybody else because you don't do such and such or because you do do this or you... So think, think things are a little crazy today. The concept, the idea of holiness has fallen on difficult times. In fact, maybe this is the picture that comes to your mind when you think of holiness. Check this out. A L- little outdated. Go ahead and show us that next slide if you would. M- maybe that's kind of what comes to your mind. 
You know, people who have uh, vowed a vow of poverty, people who have vowed a vow of celibacy, uh, people who have vowed a vow of consecration. You, you think of, uh, you know, monks uh, who uh, are, are sequestered from uh, the world and, and all media and everything like that. And, and uh, boy, they're completely separate from the things of the world. They, they vow a vow of silence for a period of time and, and a lot of these things. That's the image that I think comes to a lot of people's minds when they think of holiness. Hum. I mean, it's kind of like, and, and that's such a foreign concept to most people. It's like, I, that, that is so not me. That's not where I'm at. That's not what I want to be. I, it's, it's, no, 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 no. Understand this. And if you're taking notes there on the back of your worship guide, uh, understand this. To be holy is to be spiritually healthy. To be holy is to be spiritually healthy. It's important to understand that. Now, we want to be physically healthy, and we do a lot of things in order to, uh, to achieve some form of physical health, but what about being spiritually healthy? Now, in the first message, I gave you some statements as kind of a diagnosis to help you know and understand if you really need to go bold, if this series of messages is for you. And I've got a pretty good suspicion that if we're all honest in looking at those statements, we would have to acknowledge and admit, hey, this is for me in some form or another. Uh, There are some areas of my life in which I need to go bold. There are some areas of my life where I need to draw a line in the sand once and for all and say, you know what, I am going to be radically obedient to Jesus Christ in this area. Maybe it's in your stewardship. Maybe it's in your service. Maybe it's in your relationships. But i got a pretty good idea that for every one of us, there's some areas where we need to go bold for Christ. So that was our diagnosis. Well, well, you know what a doctor does. They, they, they form a diagnosis. They run tests, all those sorts of things. And then they're going to give you a prescription. If there's something that needs to be corrected, if there's a sickness, if there's a, a bacteria, if there's a virus or anything of that nature, then they're going to, typically they're going to write you a prescription to, to help take care of that problem. Well, that's kind of what we're doing today. We're looking at the prescription These are some things that we need to do if we are indeed going to go bold in in these areas of our lives. And again, it starts with getting your mind right. It it starts with an understanding that I am not all God wants me to be. I am not where God wants me to be in every area of my life. It's, It's a daily process. I am a work in progress. And daily, by the grace of God, I am being conformed and transformed to the very image of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's taking consistent steps in the right direction. Now, I know for many of us, you you can feel like in the Christian life, like you're taking two steps forward and then sometimes three steps back. I keep struggling with this thing. I keep struggling with this issue in my life. And and you you pray about it and you ask God to forgive you. And man, it's like you'll take a couple steps forward. Just continue to move forward by the grace of God. We're all on this journey. It's not as if some of us are up here on some big mountaintop because we're on church staff or because we have a leadership role in the church and we're like, oh, one day you'll all get where I am. <laughs> I've found the pinnacle. of No, it's every day taking those steps in the right direction to be like Jesus Christ. That's what this journey is all about. And so today we're, taking, uh, we're talking about going bold in pursuing holiness. In pursuing holiness. I've been asked a number of times uh, what books, what authors have influenced my life uh, more than any others. And uh, if, if you know me at all, you know that I, I always 
uh, reference an author by the name of Jerry Bridges. Jerry Bridges has worked for a number of years for the Navigators Discipleship Ministry. Um, and I was given a book called The Pursuit of Holiness. I think it was first published in 1978. And so I got it just before my 13th birthday. That book, uh, outside of the Word of God, of course, has influenced my life more than any other book. Now, it's been republished. I think it was uh, republished back in 2006, I think. It was the last time it was republished. You can probably find it at Lifeway. If you can pick up any Jerry Bridges book, I would encourage you to do so. It would be, you would be well worth the money you would spend on it, and uh, you would do well. He's very biblically based. He's going to drive you back to Scripture. Um, it, it's just phenomenal. But this book was called The Pursuit of Holiness. They did another version of that book for young people called The Chase. The chase. Now, now, a lot of times, we don't think of, of, of the Christian life as being a pursuit or a chase. I, I played football back in the day, and I, was, uh, I, was, I played fullback a lot of time. I was always kind of thick and you know, had thunder thighs and that kind of thing. I wasn't very fast. I was more like a Clydesdale uh, than a thoroughbred. And I, I can remember one time, I was, it was in eighth grade, I think it was, I was playing for Garland Christian Academy, and um, a lot of times, I, I blocked as a fullback. That's, that was my job. I didn't run the ball a whole lot, only occasionally. Uh, and one time, we were in a, in a pass play, and, and I was blocking, and I saw my quarterback threw the ball basically over my head and threw an interception. Well, there was only two of us in the backfield at the time. That was myself and the quarterback. And so this guy takes a pick, and, and he's going the other way. He's going to run it back for a touchdown. And so that means I've got to pursue this guy. Well, typically, defensive backs are faster than fullbacks. If you know anything about the game of football, that's just, that's just a fact, all right? And so now I, I am in wild, reckless pursuit of this guy who has just intercepted a pass from my quarterback. I, I, I couldn't take any time off. It wasn't like I could stop at the 20-yard line and go, hey, let me take a break here a second. And then start the chase again. No, I mean, it was like, I mean, it's all on. I've got to run as fast as I've ever run in my entire life to catch this guy before he scores a touchdown. We do not want them to have a pick six. Now, I would love to tell you that the end of the story is that I caught the guy before he scored. But I'd be lying to you in the pulpit this morning. I can't do that. I didn't catch him. But I was given everything I could to catching him. I was in a pursuit of this guy. That's the way that we need to pursue righteousness and holiness. We need to go for it with boldness. So many times it's like, well, I'm, I'm kind of a seasonal Christian. You know, there's periods in my life where I'm on fire for God, but then there's other times when I, you know, I just kind of take a break. I mean, wow, you can only do church so much, you know? I mean, it's like... <laughs> No, no, it's a, it's a pursuit. It's radical obedience. It's taking bold steps every day uh, toward being like Jesus Christ. You've got to get your mind right. It's a pursuit. So I'm going to give you this morning four keys to spiritual health. Four keys to spiritual health. They, they correlate with our physical health, actually, and we've looked at some of these concepts before, but I want to bring them back to you in light of this series of messages going bold. Number one, diet. Diet. Ooh, that's a dirty word, isn't it? <laughs> diet. How many times have you said, I really need to go on a diet? I really need to do better in terms of what I eat and what I don't eat. I, you know, it's, 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 always, it's always the case. If it tastes good, spit it out. You know, it's that kind of thing. 
Now, we're not just talking about our physical diet here. We're talking about our spiritual diet now, all right? But, but there are some strong correlations. Understand this. The Bible is not intended to be snack food, all right? God did not give us his word to, for us to just kind of snack on it. I, I brought along some this morning. I brought along one of these little Snickers. Isn't that cute? A tiny little Snickers. That's hardly even a bite for me. I mean, and it says here on the package, hungry? Grab a Snickers. Are you kidding me? If I eat, that's just going to make me hungrier, is all that's going to do. And it says over here, fun size. That's how a lot of people are with the Word of God. I just want the fun size. I just want to snack on the Word of God. You know, here and there, you know, kind of between, I, if you know, I need something for the road, I can grab it real quick and get me a little morsel and everything. And, and certainly God's Word, it, it, man, is just filled with those little nuggets of truth and, and, man, just things that will encourage and lift you up and you can put them on your visor and you can put them on your mirror and your refrigerator at home and that's great. But, but if that's all, the only way in which you interact with the Word of God, you're just snacking. That's all you're doing. You're just snacking. God's Word is not intended to be snack food. All right? God's word is to, to, to be something that we feast upon, that we feed upon. Other people view God's word like birthday cake. It's just for special occasions. Just for special occasions. If I, if I really have an issue, I really have a problem, then I, I'm, I'm going to go to God's word. It, it's just for special occasions. No, it's called our daily bread. Our daily bread. It's something that we're to feed upon. In fact, Scripture says this. It says we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, if you're hungry, I mean, if you're really hungry, you're not going to sit down to a meal and say, how about, how about, just give me a couple of bites. That ain't going to work, is it? No, if you're really hungry, then you're going to eat. And you're going to need more than a couple of bites uh, to satisfy that hunger. If you're really thirsty, you've been out working in the hot sun, and you come in and you're really thirsty, you're not going to go grab some cold water and just take a couple sips. Just... No, it's like, oh, I've got to have a drink. I- I've got to satisfy this thirst. The reason that we don't take bold steps toward holiness is because we, we-, we treat God's Word like snack food, like birthday cake. It's not our daily bread. It's not something that we're daily feeding upon. Hey, we, we treat it like a buffet many times. Picking and choosing. And I realize we all have favorite sections of Scripture and, and different things. I mean, there, there are places that I love to go to. I love to study. I love to read. Uh, I love Paul's epistles and, and some of those things. And I know that you can go to certain sections of Scripture and you say, Boy, this is just so-and-so beget, so-and-so, and so-and-so beget, so-and-so. God intends for us to feast upon His Word. He has given us His Word for a purpose. So that we can grow in Christ-likeness. It's all about the diet. It's all about the diet. You think about the number of things that pass through your mind every day. The images that pass through your mind. Commercials and television shows and movies and images and all of those sorts of things. All of those images, all of that information that's flowing through your mind is putting something there. The old concept is true. I mean, back in the early days of computing, it was, hey, garbage in, garbage out, right? (laughs) And so many times, we take in all kinds of stuff, and then only occasionally we're, we're filling our minds and our hearts with the things of God. 
That's because we just want to snack on the word of God. We just want to treat it like a, you know, something for a special occasion. No, we're to daily dig in. In fact, it, Peter talks about, hey, there's the milk of the word. And, and, and early in the Christian walk, you know, you, there's things that boy, you've got to come to understand, some basic truths that are so important to, to help you understand and unlock other truths. But, but then eventually in the Christian life, if you're consistently taking those steps toward righteousness, then you're going to find yourself saying, hey, I, I want to get into the meat of the word. I want to understand this on a deeper level. I want to understand what this is saying to me today. I want to understand what it, what it was saying to those to whom it was originally written. But then how does it apply to me today? And, and how can I make this a part of my life? It's more than just a sip here and there. It's more than just a, a, a bite or two. It's not snack food. Dig in. It's all about the diet. Four keys to spiritual health. What kind of spiritual diet do you have? Here's the second key to spiritual health, exercise. <laughs> well, there again, <laughs> we talk about physical health, we, we, we talk about diet, but then what next, that E word always comes up, doesn't it? Exercise. Any good fitness coach will tell you that those two go together. It's not like one or the other. And I, I recognize that some of you, as, as you age, and, and I, I'm right there with you, there's some things, physically speaking, that we can't do anymore. That we could once do. There's some exercises that I could do back in the day that I, I can't do them so well anymore. But what are you doing? What are you doing spiritually to exercise yourself toward godliness? How are you serving? Where are you serving? Now understand this again. We're not talking about moralism, all right? We're not just talking about, hey, I'm going to do good things. I'm going to, I'm going to serve here and there, hopefully in an effort to, to earn God's favor and salvation and heaven someday. If I do more good deeds than bad deeds, then I'm good to go. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're not saved by our works, are we? But we are saved unto good works. The way in which we exercise ourselves spiritually should be a demonstration of the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Our salvation should result in a strong desire to serve the one who saved us. And it's a daily thing. While our works don't save us, our works demonstrate our salvation. We're not saved by spiritual exercise. We are saved to spiritual exercise. Paul put it in perspective when he wrote to Timothy. He said, for bodily exercise profits a little. Now, a lot of us want to go, Amen. Thank you. That's all the reason I need to not go to the gym. All right. Is it just, and it, and it really, in the grand scheme of things, bodily exercise profits a little because these bodies are not made to last forever. Eventually, doesn't matter how much you work out, doesn't matter how I mean, I'm not suggesting you don't. I try to at least two or three times a week. But ultimately, this body's going to wear out. All right. In the grand scheme of things, by comparison, bodily exercise profits a little. And he went on to say this, but godliness is profitable for all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. How are you exercising yourself toward godliness? Now here's the thing. That diet is so important, right? But how do you utilize that? How do you apply it to your life? You see, physical fitness is all about how you utilize the fuel that you've put into your body. That's why you'll have these ultra-marathoners. I mean, they go out and run... 
ridiculous, I mean, 26 plus miles for just a standard marathon. But then you've got ultra marathoners who run even further than that. I can't even imagine that. Uh, No. I, I have no desire whatsoever to go out and run 40, 50 miles at one time. Mm -mm. But I guarantee you, if you're going to do that, you've got to be fueling your body in a certain way to make that happen. You can't be sitting on the couch for two or three months eating bonbons and potato chips and drinking soda pop and then go out and run 30 or 40 miles, can you? See how it all works together? No, it all works together. And and those those marathon people, they, they will carb up, they call it. They will fuel their bodies in a certain way prior to a race so that they'll have more energy, uh, energy that will release itself in a certain way so that they can run those kinds of distances. So this exercise thing goes hand in hand with the diet. You see, you, you can't very well exercise yourself to godliness if you don't know this book. See, the, the simple truth is this. For most of us, there's a gap between knowing what we should do, knowing who we should be, knowing how we should, uh, how we should respond to the challenges and the, th- the different things of this world, knowing that and doing it, right? It's like most people would say, I know I need to eat better, I know I need to exercise more, but that's about where it stops, right there. It, it, it's, it's knowing it. And here's the reason why many times. We tend to put this book on a shelf while we live somewhere over here. So I can guarantee you, the distance between you and God's Word has a whole lot to do with your exercise toward godliness. Has a whole lot to do with your steps toward holiness. you you got to keep this book close by. You've got to be daily taking in the Word of God. You've got to be feeding yourself on the truths of the Word of God. Then you will know how you are to, how you are to behave or how you are to, to, to make strides toward godliness. It goes hand in hand. And so as you read God's Word, you study God's Word. It's not just filling your head up with knowledge. That's why we always say we don't want to leave here just better informed. We want to leave here transformed. I don't want you to leave uh, church every Sunday and go, boy, that was some good information. But then go home and it have no impact whatsoever on your life and how you live. Now, a lot of Christians are just like a sponge. Boy, they're soaking it up, sitting and soaking. But there comes a point at which you need to be squeezed. And you do that through service, through exercise, uh, through doing the things that God calls us to do. And that may involve stepping out of a comfort zone. It may involve some sacrifice, and we're going to talk about that uh, in the weeks to come in this series. Exercise. Here's the third key to spiritual health. Rest. Rest. Your body needs rest, doesn't it? I I mean, we we live in a crazy world today. And people are going and coming and got places to go and people to see and things to do and calendars just packed with stuff. And right now is just an incredibly busy time for my family. I mean, sometimes I, we're meeting ourselves coming and going with stuff going on. My daughter's a senior, and she's in band, and she's in volleyball, and she's all these different things going on, looking at colleges for next year, and just, wow, it's just incredible. And, and so we can get going so much that, that we wear ourselves down. And some of you, uh, you've worked hard for a lot of years, and so you know what it is to, to have difficulty getting out of bed in the morning because you're just so weary, you're so exhausted, and you, you've worked four twelves in a row and it's like you, you you're so numb you can't even feel your it's like and that's when you tend to get sick right 
When your body's so wore down, your defense system is wore down, your, your immune system is wore down, and so that's when you invite sickness and illness and all those things. You, you've got to rest. You just got to rest. And a lot of times you go to your doctor and say, yeah, you, you got this and this. And, and one of the things in addition to this and this is you've got to get some rest. You've just got to stop. Well, what does that look like spiritually? How do we rest spiritually? I know what I'll do. I'll stay home from church for about a month. Mm, that's not what we're talking about. I know what I'll do. I'll sleep during church. That's what I'll do. No, that's not what we're talking about. No, no, you rest on the promises of God. You, you know, do you know why we find ourselves spiritually exhausted many times? Because of worry and fear. Worry and fear. We don't trust God. And so we fret, and we're scurrying around trying to figure out this situation over here, that situation over there, and I've got to correct this, and I've got to figure out a way. To, and it's like, time out. What about resting on the promises of God? What about going back to God's word where it says, he's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Man, go to the Psalms. Well, what did David say there in the 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That's resting on his provision and his promises. I, I learned one thing working on the dairy farm. That, that cows will rarely lie down unless they are satisfied. Unless they're full. Unless they've, they've been cared for properly. You know, after a morning milking and they've been fed and all those things, you'll go back through the dairy barn and you'll see them all lying down. Resting. And if we're doing the things that God's called us to do and we're maintaining the proper spiritual diet and we're exercising ourselves toward godliness, there comes that time where you just rest on the promises of God. You fully, completely trust Him. You say, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this in my own strength. I'm going to rely upon you. I'm going to rest on your promises. I'm giving up this whole worry thing. I'm giving up this whole fear thing. I'm trusting you completely. Trust me. Rest on the promises of God. That's where prayer comes in. Prayer comes in. That's one of the ways that we rest in God and in His goodness is just casting all of our cares upon Him for He cares for us. You do that through prayer. Rest. Diet. Exercise. Rest. They all go together, don't they? All go together. The final one is this. Hygiene. Hygiene. If you're going to be physically healthy, you've got to practice good hygiene. I mean, they'll tell you today, you've got to wash your hands. You've got to brush your teeth, don't you? You've got to bathe. Hey, and it's not like you can go, hey, I tell you what, I did that last month, so I'm going to, I'm going to take a month off on hygiene. No. It's something you do every single day. There are very few days in my life that I've gone without taking a shower or bath. Very few. And for most of you, that, that's true as well. I, there was a time several years ago when I led leadership expeditions for young men in the Allegheny National Forest. And we would be, I, I mean, away from civilization. No modern facilities, none of that kind of thing. We like, sure enough, in the woods, sleeping in tents, you know, eating, cooking on a campfire, you know, all those sorts of things. Away from anybody, far away. Didn't have access to shower facilities or anything like that. But I can guarantee you, I still practice some form of personal hygiene. I, I, I had a little kit, and I had a little toothbrush. I would still brush my teeth. I would still try to, I mean, if I could find a, a river somewhere, I was, I was going to do something, uh, to, some form of personal hygiene. It's important. Otherwise, germs spread, bacteria, for all those different things. 
The same is true spiritually. And you can do all these other things, but, but if you don't practice good hygiene, spiritually speaking, you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems. So how do we do that? How do we practice good hygiene? Well, 1 John 1, 9 says this. It says, if we confess our sins, then He is faithful and He's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sin in your life is like bacteria. That bacteria grows and it, 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 create, it causes disease and all sorts of things. It causes a person to be incredibly sick, spiritually speaking. That's why you've got a lot of Christians walking around and they're just emaciated. I mean, they are just messed up, spiritually speaking, because they've allowed sin to, to dwell within them. They've allowed that to spring up. Maybe it's a bitterness, an anger issue, or any number of things. Unconfessed sin just is like a bacteria. It's got to be taken care of. You, you, you've got to practice uh, confession and repentance and turning from sin to the Savior. And that happens every day. Every day, my dad used to say it this way, Son, always keep short sin accounts. When God, by His Holy Spirit and by His Word, reveals something to you that needs to be corrected, something that's not right, take care of it. Don't think, well, I'll get around to that next week or next month. Or No, it's a daily thing. What did David pray? after? I mean, he totally messed up, didn't he, with Bathsheba? Read Psalm 51 sometime. You talk about a chapter of cleansing. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Oh God, renew a right spirit within me. That's hygiene. That's what he's practicing. Lord, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Now, this is not something, spiritually speaking, that you can do all by yourself. No, you can't say, well, I'm just going to turn over a new leaf. I'm just going to do better next time. It's not just gritting your teeth and, and trying to be a better person again. No, you, you can only practice good hygiene uh, through the Word of God, through the Holy Spirit of God. Only God can cleanse you. The, the, the provision for that hygiene has been done, made through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. All those things go together. I wonder this morning, are, are you taking bold steps in pursuit of holiness? What's your spiritual diet like? You find yourself going two, three, four, five days, sometimes weeks, without going into the Word of God? You, you just snack in here and there occasionally? You, you, you get into the Word of God about like you, you eat birthday cake only on special occasions? Or do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? You can't find a day going by that you're not in the Word of God somehow, some way, taking in God's Word. Remember, one of, the, one of the statements that we made is if, if you've become satisfied with your biblical knowledge at this point in your life, then you need to go bold. There's not a person here who could say, I've got it all figured out. <laughs> I, I, I don't need to go back to that book. Wow, you're in a dangerous place. Diet. How are you serving? Where are you serving the body of Christ? How is it that you're serving the Lord? How is it that you're taking the truths of the Word of God and how are you utilizing the energy that you draw from God's Word, spiritually speaking? How are you applying it to your life through godly exercise, exercising yourself toward godliness? Are you resting like you should spiritually? Or do you find it hard to sleep at night because you're so filled with worry and fear? Cast your cares upon the Lord for He cares for you. Rest on His promises. 
How are you doing in hygiene? You got unconfessed sin in your life? It's festering up. It's continuing to grow like a bacteria. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's boldly pursue holiness. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment this morning. How spiritually healthy are you? How's your diet? Are you exercising yourself to godliness? You're resting on the promises of God. Are you staying spiritually clean before a holy God through repentance, confession? How spiritually healthy are you? Some would have to say, Oh, Pastor, I'm just kind of I'm just kind of surviving. I'm, I'm hanging in there. And there are days you may feel that way. But God intends for us to thrive spiritually. To live exuberant, joy-filled lives. His Word tells us that He has come to give us life and life more abundant. He wants us to live healthy for Him. Are you boldly pursuing holiness? That all starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The only way, the only way that you can walk in holiness and exercise yourself to godliness is through a right relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Him, then I invite you to do so today. Today. Maybe you need to change up your diet a bit. Maybe you need to be in God's Word more often, more consistently on a deeper level than than you've ever been before. Maybe you've just been snacking. It's time to dig into the meat. It's time to move past the milk of the Word and get into the meat of the Word. To feast on it. Maybe your prayer today needs to be, Lord, create in me, stir in me a hunger and a thirst for righteousness so that I drink deeply from the reservoir of of your grace. Maybe it's time for you to to exercise yourself toward godliness and to put into practice the things that you've learned through His Word. Some of you need to go bold in serving Him. Maybe this morning you need to find yourself resting on His promises, trusting Him more completely and fully. Maybe it's a hygiene issue for you. Maybe there's unconfessed sin in your life. God's revealed it to you by your Holy Spirit. As you've read the Word of God, it's been revealed to you. It's been brought to your attention, but what what are you doing about it? You're just continuing to live with that bacteria in your life? God's speaking to your heart today, then invite you to come heavenly father we thank you and praise you for our time together here today we thank you for your word lord we thank you that your word tells us you've given us everything that we need for life and godliness holiness lord help us to have the right kind of diet spiritually help us lord to exercise ourselves to godliness help us to rest on your promises and to practice good spiritual hygiene
Help us to say the same thing about our sin that you say about it. Do a work in our hearts and lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.